Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I just have to be honest, I absolutely loved today's podcast interview because I got to talk about one of my favorite animals, and that is, hold on, drum roll, alligators. Yes, I got to talk about alligators. You know, this podcast is different because we featured alligators in the past. I've had on many alligator experts, but this one was different because I got to talk to somebody who actually runs an alligator sanctuary in the Midwest. And I'm so happy to announce that on the show today, I have Lena Kelly. She is from the Critchlow Alligator Sanctuary in Michigan. And currently her family sanctuary takes care of 200 rescued alligators. I had so many questions to ask her, including what is it like caring for 200 alligators? Because, I mean, I only care for two alligators. I have my alligators, Sonny and Chompers, and they keep my hands pretty full. So I have two. She has 200. I also asked her how they care for 200 alligators in a place like Michigan. Because if you aren't familiar with Michigan, it gets extremely cold, especially in the wintertime. So I asked, how do you care for 200 alligators? Where do you house them? I asked how their facilities are. What do you use for their ponds? I just, you guys, I had so many questions. I loved picking her brain because honestly, there aren't a lot of people I talk to who run alligator sanctuaries and who care for them on a day to day basis. And as you will hear during this interview, you have to think outside of the box, especially when you don't have a bunch of funds to care for tons of rescued alligators. And some of their innovative ways that they have thought of how to care for their alligators will blow your mind. For instance, what they use for pond liners for their alligators, just mind blown. I can't even believe this is a thing and it has worked out successfully for them. I also was shocked, absolutely shocked on how they care for their alligators in the wintertime. And when I say shocked, like shocked in a good way, like thinking, oh my goodness, this is such a good idea on how you house your gators. So if you're into alligators, if you're into crocodilian husbandry, this is the podcast for you. Now, as always, I do encourage you to rate and review the show, especially if you're a fan of the Animals to the Max podcast. Just giving us that five-star rating is amazing, and it helps push the podcast out to more people. I also encourage you, as always, to join us for the after show. And the after show is where you get the full episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. It is for Patreons only. And basically, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max, and then you will be able to get access to the full episode and tons of other bonus content throughout the show. So anyway, let's talk about alligators. Lena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, man. I've been listening to your podcast this week with when you had Dr. Kent Bleat, who everyone loves, right? Yeah. And then of course, Savannah. So to be on a podcast that they were also guests, like I... I'm just completely honored. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for reaching out because I'll tell you what, first of all, when you said that you run a alligator sanctuary, when you just said alligator, I was like, okay, we have to get you on the show. (laughs) But then you're based in Michigan and my wife is from Michigan. So I was like, uh, I, I, I had to get you on the show. So thank you for coming on the program. 
Yeah, I'm so excited. My pleasure. Yeah. So I'm just, and by the way, I love your Skype background. It's a bunch of, it's a picture of all these alligators in the background, way better than this closet that I'm currently recording in. So kudos to you. But Lena, just, I, I'm so happy as you, I'm so happy you're able to listen to the podcast. You know that I'm obsessed with alligators and tell my audience a little bit about your sanctuary in Michigan for alligators. Yeah, so we are a rescue-only facility. So all of the animals that we have at our facility are all previous pets that were unwanted, abandoned, confiscated by law enforcement, or owners just really couldn't take care of anymore. So we have almost 200 alligators that we have rescued from where right now we're at about 21 different states. Um, But we also have tortoises, turtles, lizards, snakes. But again, everything is a previous pet, so we do not buy, sell, breed, or trade any of the animals that we have at our facility. Wow, 200? Like, I have, I only have two, Chompers and Sonny, and they keep me so busy. I could not imagine caring for 200 alligators. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work, that's for sure. Yeah, I and I can't wait to get into it, because it's just like, you're also based in a place where you have pretty cold winters, even colder than here in Idaho. And I'm just so curious on how you house 200 alligators in Michigan, which it is freezing in, uh, you know, in, in the winter time. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. So people are really often shocked when I tell them that alligators are still available in the pet trade. Um, can we go into that a little bit and what you've seen, you know, in your work? Sure. So, yeah, we're not really seeing them in pet stores anymore. I mean, we have we have some that were purchased in pet stores, you know, 10, 20, 30 plus years ago, but we're not really seeing them in pet stores now. But there's still a big um, popularity of the reptile expos and, the um, you know, reptile flea market kind of things. And of course, just the availability of the Internet. And so, yeah, many people are buying these little cute little tiny alligators because they are so cute. And then they, you know, most people, unfortunately, just aren't keeping pets regardless of what kind of animal it is for its entire lifetime. I mean, we've seen that with, you know, all these COVID dogs and Easter bunnies and things like that. Like people are just buying these animals for novelty. And when that novelty wears off, these animals are suffering. And so, yeah, so that's, you know, that's where we're getting all these animals. Most of them were previous pets. Um, We have worked with many zoos as well in the past. If the alligators are getting too big for the zoos um, or too aggressive, um, or if the zoo is just downsizing their alligator habitat, then we have some of those um, as well. But yeah, most of the animals that we have are just previous pets that people couldn't take care of anymore. And so, you know, it just started as my dad's hobby. And now we're kind of a, we call it our full-fledged zoo. But yeah, I mean, we're a sanctuary. So yeah. Wow. And when, when did he start this? So we started this, or he really started this out of our home as a hobby in like the early 90s. And before then, it was mostly snakes, snakes and iguanas. We had a lot of snakes and a lot of iguanas. And uh, it just kind of went from there to then tortoises and bearded dragons. And then and then just the alligator, you know, people just didn't want their alligator. And so they brought it to us. Um, And so, yeah, so we just started working with alligators. And after about, I think, 15 years or so, we had about maybe 
30 in our backyard and in our basement that we had rescued. And my dad was like, you know, I think I want to start a zoo to help pay for all these animals that we've been taking in. And so we've been an established sanctuary since 2008. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. People often ask to like how I got alligators and it's like, you know, I started like it, I didn't start like, well, I started a, a reptile rescue, but it wasn't like I sought out to rescue alligators. It's just when you rescue reptiles, the word gets out. And then occasionally right. once in a blue moon or for your instant, more often than a blue moon, you get calls about alligators and that's how I ended up with mine. I mean, you know, it's it's a small world. And, you know, let's talk about alligators being sold as babies, you know, when, when they're pets. You mentioned how cute they are. They are adorable. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. adorable. So how long does it take for this tiny little adorable alligator that you see to turn into this large reptile that can no longer be contained in a fish tank? Um, well, unfortunately, that really depends on how people are treating their reptiles. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have, man, a handful of alligators that are in their mid-20s mm -hmm. that are only three feet long wow. because they've been stunted by being stuck in these tiny habitats for nearly their entire lifetime until they come to us and then they get whole big habitats. You know, they don't have just the restriction of the tank anymore. Um, our oldest alligator, he is in his mid thirties and he's only five and a half feet long, wow. but that's because he was stuck in a horse trough for 25 years with no UV lights, no nothing to help supplement his growth. So, you know, some people come to us and they have a, a two or three year old that's already three or four feet long. Mm -hmm. And then some people have, like I said, the 25 year olds that are only two to three feet long. So it's just really depends on how people are caring for them. Mm -hmm. um, but you would, I mean, I'm sure you, I mean, do you think alligators make good pets? I think I know your oh, no. answer, but I feel, <laughs> I feel like I need to ask it for the listeners. You would say yeah, no, no, absolutely not. And that's one thing that we try and teach at our sanctuary too, is like, Hey, come here and enjoy the alligators here because yeah, they don't make good pets. And unfortunately, especially if you're in Michigan, they're most likely going to wind up at our facility before long anyway, because life changes. Like you're moving to a new situation, you're moving out of state where they may be illegal or, um, you know, you're starting a family and your new significant other may or may not be supportive of mm -hmm. your pets that you have. So, I mean, I've kind of heard the whole variety of stories from people, but yeah. yeah, no, they don't make good pets. They certainly don't. No, not at all. I always tell them, like, I, I always say during my videos, like, I'll be the first one to tell you they make horrible pets. You know, they're dangerous. They're expensive. They live long. Like, I, the list goes on. I mean, truly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure do. Yeah. So... Tell me about the facility, 200 alligators in Michigan. How do you house them all? Because in the winter time, it is freezing. Right. Yeah. So in the summer months, so basically mid to end of April, all the mm -hmm. animals come outside. And so we have many different outdoor habitats that mm -hmm. the alligators have. So from mid to end of April to early mid-October, they are outside. Mm -hmm. So from mid-October to then mid-April, then they're inside. So we have cargo shipping containers mm -hmm. that we have um, insulated and then built habitats inside there. And so there's ponds in there that they can swim in. Really? There's We put um, waterbed heaters underneath the tubs, and so it keeps the water warm. Um, 
And then, of course, you know, we have the air heated as well, UV lights inside there. Um, and so it's basically we have maybe six of those that house um, the reptiles for the winter time. And then our entire gift shop basically gets redone as well. So for some of the, the smaller alligators or some of the animals that just need constant, you know, weekly feedings or that kind of thing, like the snakes and the bearded dragons and some of the sick animals. So we kind of have like a hospital one as well. So if there's, you know, an animal that's injured or needs medications, we don't have to go, you know, in with the other 10, 20, 30 alligators in the habitat. And yeah. <laughs> so. Wait, are you talking about like the shipping containers that people live in? Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You see them on the big, huge cargo ships in yeah. the ocean, stacked on top. Yeah. So we have 40-foot um, ones around our property. And so underneath those, we have walkways. And so in the summertime, you know, people are walking on top and are able to view the habitats on either side. Oh. And then underneath, that's kind of the structure of the walkway. But inside, that's, yeah, it's all, um, yeah, it's all their habitats for the wintertime. Wow. How do you, so you have an empty shipping. This is so fascinating because I'm just like, because we had to figure out how to house our alligators. And what we did is we literally built an alligator house, like a thousand square foot house. We literally built over a 40 foot pool. So beautiful. I love your habitat. Thank you. I, it's like, it took us like two and a half years to build and it just, my dad and I poured our heart and soul into it. So I'm just like, I love it. And when, when people criticize it, I just get so like oh. defensive. Cause I'm just mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, you have no idea. Like, you know, so much work goes into this, but thank you. I, we're very proud of our habitat, but I want to learn more about yours. So you have these shipping containers. How, mm -hmm. so what are their pools? Are you, are you using like pond liner prefabricated pools? Like what is their water situation looking like? Yeah. So the, we have, prefabricated pools that have to be smaller than the size of the width of the container. Sure. So yeah, so we make sure that we're measuring before we make the purchases of these prefab ponds. Oh. Um, but there's about three, depending on the size of the pond that we've purchased, there's anywhere from three to six in each of the cargo shipping containers. And so they can swim from pond to pond. They can mm. climb out and bask on the basking tables. So the ponds are on the ground. Okay. And then we have built basking tables above so they can climb out of the pond onto the basking table. So the basking table takes up maybe a third of the pond. Okay. So that way there's plenty of area for them to just climb out and dry off or, you know, just bask in the light or whatever. Yeah. So. No. Are these prefabricated pools, like, do you have a company you go through? We do. My brother does all the ordering. So unfortunately, oh. I can't remember what the company is. But oh. yeah, we've kind of, we've, I mean, we've tried all different types of ponds because, you know, sometimes you just never know what you're buying and you never, you know, they don't say can withhold this, you know, the bite force of an alligator in their yeah. description when you're buying these ponds. So you can, you just buy these ponds and hope for the best and hopefully uh -huh. they last. And so far we really haven't had any issues with the preform ponds. It's of course the pond liners that don't last long. Yeah. Habitats. Let's talk about the pond liners. Cause we, <laughs> I've like, I've had, I mean, I have built a beaut like I have nightmares about pond liners cause I've built outdoor animal habitats and I've had my animals go through the pond liners and you just want to cry. Cause it's like, Oh my God, I put so much work into this. So do you, so are, are there like, are you always constantly like replacing pond liners or how is that working? Are the alligators yes. going through them? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pretty often. So we actually work with a company, um, out of near us, near Kalamazoo 
and uh, it's a billboard. So we just purchase old billboards off the highway, and they're $25. So you can get a 28 by 40 foot long billboard, and that's what we use because it's no. $25. I'm not going to go buy hundreds of dollars of a pond liner that doesn't last any longer than a $25 old billboard. So we just flip them upside down. And so the black that you see in our ponds is the reverse. So if we were to flip it over, it's like McDonald's ad or a bank ad or, you know, whatever. But yeah, so because we're not a nonprofit, we don't get any government help whatsoever. Uh-huh. So we have to pinch pennies and work with as many customers as we can to save as much money as we can because we're just we're a small place. We don't get a lot of um, you know, we don't get any big dollar donations or anything like that. So everything that we earn goes back into those animals. And so, you know, they, they can be pretty destructive with our things. And so we can't just keep buying them expensive things. So we try to find the ways that, you know, it's financial, financially feasible to us. So, wow. I am so fascinated and I just, (laughs) no, I just, Linda, it is so interesting there's not many people like us who have these problems because, no. and I don't want to say problems, but like I, we're in the same boat. Like we are not funded by, I mean, we, we will get donations, but I mean, I'm talking from like selling $25 hats or, you know, sometimes we'll get donations, um, you know, through PayPal, but it is the majority self-funded and it's expensive. And when we were, we were in the same boat trying to figure out like, how are we going to get bigger pools for our alligators? We tried to get quotes from pool companies. And I want to say it was like 60 to 70 grand for a, just a small pool that would not even yeah. work. And I remember we just were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And by the grace of God, we were driving down the freeway and my dad saw this just big giant tank in a, in, in, in a farmer's field. And he said, we should go talk to them. I was like, dad, that tank is never going to work. It's so awkward. It was like this big water tank sawed in half. And he's like, let's go talk to him. And we literally went to the farmer and this was an old water tank. It made a fiberglass that they sawed in half um, and used to water this little town here in Idaho. And people told us we were crazy. People said this is not going to work. And we just were like, we are going to do it. And we recessed this giant 40 foot long fiberglass tank in the ground and built a house around it. And that's how we got our pool. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, Very but I, cool. I, but yeah. I, I'm, and I tell you that story because you have to think out of the box. And so Absolutely. billboard pond liners, that is insane. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. And they're just, they're $25 for wow. a 28 by 40 foot long. I mean, to buy that as a pond liner is hundreds of dollars. Sure. And it doesn't last anywhere near the same amount of time as the billboard. So wow. our, once the pond liner is punctured, it's punctured. But the billboards, I feel like they still, I don't know, I can use like that Gorilla Tape and the yeah. pond glue and all that stuff. So we can't, I mean, there's a lot of ponds that are patched all yeah. over until, you know, we're like, yeah, this just isn't going to hold anymore. So, wow. But yeah. So do you have to So do... yeah, the pictures, so this picture behind me, that's one of our habitats. Okay. And so, yeah, it's just, the you can see the black. Yeah. So, but we try to make it look as natural as possible. So we have lots of plants around it and, you know, we, there's trees and, mm-hmm. you know, there's big bushes and tall grasses and we try to keep it as natural looking as possible. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the prettiest to see the black tarps, but yeah. as of right now, that's, that's kind of 
what we can afford. So. so how often are you replacing this? Is it like once a season? It depends. So, I mean, there's at least one to two ponds that are getting replaced every year, but we have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have about 17 ponds. Oh my God. So, yeah. So there's at least, probably at least two that get replaced every year. 17 so. ponds. And how big are the ponds? Um, depends. Each one is a little bit different again. Um, so goodness, smaller than the billboards. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. So, yeah, I mean, we have some for like our little tiny alligators. I mean, that's maybe eight feet wide by maybe 10 feet long. So pretty mm -hmm. small. So sometimes, you know, we can try and cut the, the, billboards in half or in thirds yeah. so then we can try and redo as many habitats mm -hmm. as possible to try and really be as cost efficient as possible mm -hmm. um but then our biggest pond man that's probably a that one we just have to get a custom liner for and that one's probably a good 30 feet by 40 feet ish Wow. So it's a pretty good size, maybe bigger than that. I don't know. I'm not good with my dimensions. <laughs> no, it's just good to have some type, you know, of an idea. How, how, how deep are the ponds? Um, most of them are not maybe 18 inches, two feet. Okay. Yeah. But some of our bigger alligators about three and a half, some four. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. but most of them are on the smaller end, like the two feet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you, so you have 200 alligators. Uh, do you have the majority separated or like, how are we going to organize this? Cause you have alligators of different sizes. Right. Yep. So they're all separated by size. Okay. So, yep. So we have our little tiny ones kind of in, so we have like schools. So we have the preschool, the kindergarten, the elementary school, the middle school, high school and isolation. And we have like a college area, but, <laughs> but yeah, so we have schools. And okay. so the preschool is our smallest alligators. Um, and so those are roughly, you know, 18 inches and smaller. Mm -hmm. And then the next size up, then that's our kindergarten. And then those are roughly two to maybe three, three and a half feet. And then kind of the next, you know, foot size, three to four feet and then four to five and a half feet and so, yeah, so we kind of have different areas. So there's lots of areas for growth and movement. But obviously, if we see that there's an alligator that is stressed, then we can move him to a habitat where he's going to be the biggest one. So then that'll boost his confidence and he'll thrive. Mm -hmm. Or if there's one that's just making everyone's life hell, mm -hmm. then he needs to graduate into the new school where then he'll calm down because he's not going to be the biggest anymore. Mm -hmm. so, well, um, what is your biggest alligator? Um, Godzilla. He's our biggest and he's about 11 and a half feet long wow. and about, I don't know, 500. Six, we don't have a scale, so it takes a lot of us to carry him. But we haven't had to move him in about four years. So that's been nice. Wow. Godzilla. So 11 feet long. Now, you know, I'm just curious. Have you had problems with Godzilla, like killing any other alligators? No, no. Mm-mm. I've had, I've had other alligators that have been issues, but never with Godzilla. Mm -mm. Okay. But we've also had him the longest. We've had him for more than 20 years. So, okay. yeah, he's been our longest. Um, but no, we've never had any issues with him. Okay. But with other alligators, have you? Yes. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Can we go into that? Because right sure. now, a huge... I mean, so I don't know if you're familiar with, with my alligators, but I have Sonny, who's... He's almost 10 feet. He's mm-hmm. a male. And once again, it, it's hard to weigh them. So four, 450. I mean, it, it's just by looking at him, literally, because yeah. we, we don't have a scale either. And I have Chompers, who's a female, and she's seven feet. Sonny's 10, Chompers is seven. He is so much bigger than her. Just girth-wise, obviously, as you know, males are bigger. And we are so nervous to introduce them. And it's because they're like my children. I'm scared that Sonny could kill Chompers. So what have you seen in your experience um, when you do alligator introductions? And what, yeah, do you have any advice? Most of the situations that we've had were female on female. Really? I really haven't had much aggression at all with male on female. Um, okay. Or there's male on male aggression, of course, because sure. they're trying to, you know, be territorial. But I've never had any situations with the males being aggressive towards the females. Um, so, and but on your videos, I've seen your videos, and yours are really curious about each other. I've never seen them act aggressive towards each other. They can see each other. They can smell each other. So I feel like your introduction is going to go really well. Um, Cause they're not, I mean, they're not aggressive towards each other through your fence, mm-hmm. even in the water. I mean, they seem very curious about each other in a positive way. They're not rubbing their nose constantly trying to get at each other. It's, mm-hmm. it, they seem very calm and relaxed and, in the few videos that I've seen. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it'll be a positive introduction. I think it will be. Yeah. So. I mean, I just, I'm so happy you've seen some of the videos cause I just released a video. I think it was last week and they were just talking to each other and mm-hmm. I mean, you can see them and it doesn't look like aggressive behavior at all. It's very like, she's very curious about him. He is curious about her. But it doesn't seem aggressive, but I am just so scared because he is so much bigger with a freak accident. I mean, he could just kill her with, I mean, he's just, he's so big. Yeah. No, I don't, I mean, I don't see that with how they're acting with each other. I really mm-hmm. don't see aggression being a, a an issue at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, they're your babies. So, you know, you can baby steps, right? So, you know, do you give have them extra give them extra habitat enclosures so they can go in and out on their own. Don't just like here. Now this is your new habitat. So hopefully there's avenues that they can get out and away from the other if they needed to, but it doesn't seem like they're going to act that way. Yeah. That's what Kent was talking about. Like you need to have it to like, you need to, it's, it's going to be a big project. You need to install like a door and then be able to like, (laughs) and I'm just like, Oh my God. Okay. Let's add it onto the list of things to do. Do you have alligators the size of Sonny and chompers house together without any issues? You do. So our, yeah. So our high school habitat, those are our seven to nine and a half footers. Really? Yep. And we have about 10 of them that are together. And so Tom is our alpha <laughs> male, and he's about the size of your um, Sonny. Yeah, okay. so he's about nine, nine and a half feet. Okay. Um, and then some of the smaller females or some of the more submissive males are in the seven foot. So most of them are in the seven feet. Tom is just kind of the giant at nine, nine and a half. So. Really? And no problems with Tom and the females at all? Not with him and the females. It's usually him with the other males. Yeah, okay. he'll kick him out of his pond or chase him off to 
you know, they leave. But it's pretty cool because in their habitat, they have actually created. So like I mentioned, we try and let everything overgrow sure. um, to try and make look as natural as possible. And so they've all made their own um, gator holes, their own little mud holes oh. in the habitat. And so and there's all these trenches that go in between mud hole to mud hole. So there is the large pond. But if Tom is kicking everybody out so he can enjoy a female, then at least they have their own little sub ponds that they can go to. Um, so that really does help alleviate a lot of the aggression with some of the other males and females. Oh, that's so that's good that they have somewhere. I mean, obviously somewhere to go. Right. So have you ever had another alligator kill another alligator? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah, one of my favorite alligators. Um, her name was Chuckles, and she was killed by another female. But at uh. that time in 2018... Um, Medusa, she was one of the smaller females. So it was Medusa, Chuckles, and Godzilla in the same habitat. Okay, so and, Godzilla's the 11-foot one. Yep. Okay. And then Chuckles was about nine and a half feet. So she was a good-sized female as well that we'd had for, gosh, since 2006. So we'd had her for a while. Okay. Um, and then we introduced Medusa. Mm-hmm. And that introduction was fine. They got along well for about two, three years. Um, but then in 2018, which was the first time any of our alligators ever laid eggs, never before had they ever laid eggs before. And so Medusa was building a nest in the habitat. And so she was showing signs of being gravid. And so she's building the nest and she's protecting the nest and chuckles never showed any signs of having eggs. And one night she started laying her eggs in Medusa's nest. And Medusa just killed her. I mean, she didn't kill her right then and there, but she attacked her. And alligators, similar to sea turtles, go through that hypnotic state when they're Mm. laying their eggs. Mm. So Chuckles is just unable to defend herself laying these eggs. And so when we came the next morning, Chuckles is just beaten up so badly. And so we had to move her into an isolated habitat, and she just never recovered. So... That's yeah, that was pretty I'm s- horrible. I'm so yeah. sorry to hear that. But that's interesting how you mentioned that she was in that state where it's just like, where it's like this trance where they just can't, you know, they, they can't get out of that. So it was a yeah. unique situation for sure. For sure. And like I'd mentioned, none of our animals prior to that had ever laid eggs, period. So even just that whole summer was just a learning summer for all of us because we're like, well, if she's also laying eggs and we had... So both of those two had eggs, and we had another female. Tom had had another female, Stubby, in the high school habitat, and Stubby was also laying eggs. So three females laying eggs that have we've never had any of that before. So that whole summer it was just learning. We're like, oh my gosh, are there more females? What do we need to do to make this a a safe and healthy habitat? Are the males going to be more aggressive? Are the females going to be more like we just everything? You know, we were Mm -hmm. trying to just learn as much as possible and yeah when that situation happened with with chuckles and medusa that was just like heartbreaking yeah because they're they're like your children yeah they are and those were the especially chuckles she was the the first alligator i ever trained i never knew anything about training alligators before and so um in 2006 my dad and i went down to the saint augustine alligator farm Mm -hmm. and we did their um aza course with um the crocodilian husbandry and captive management and it was an amazing course and my dad and i learned a ton and that's where we learned how to 
train alligators. And that's where I got to meet Dr. Kent Vliet and oh, all the wow. other amazing crocodilian, you know, educators. And, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I was like, wow, we've had these alligators and we didn't even know that we could communicate with them that way. Like, let's try that. And so as soon as we got home, we were starting to train our alligators, target training and clicker training and name recognition. And Chuckles was the first one I ever worked with. So yeah, she was, she was my favorite. I'll always have a place in my heart for her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go on a, 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 go on a kind of a lighter topic. Thank you for going into that. I just, you know, just talking to another fellow alligator owner regarding the aggression, just wanted to to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you for that. But let's talk about that crocodilian school. Oh my God. When can I enroll? What did you, (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because online you can see all these people who do these amazing behaviors, train these alligators with these behaviors. And people are always like, you know, do you train Sonny and chompers? And it like, they know like a feeding cue, like a click Mm -hmm. to come. I think they know their names. Other than that, though, they do what they want. And uh, that's about the gist of our training. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So what did you learn? Or um, yeah, it's fascinating um, that you're talking about this crocodilian school. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I learned a ton and I still have my big three ring binder that I refer to pretty often because it was just a wealth of information. Um, and it's, of course, it's at the St. Augustine alligator farm where you can see all the species of crocodilian. So for me, I had only worked with, at the time, spectacled caiman and American alligators. I'd never seen like a Temistema or oh. a Chinese alligator. Like, I don't oh. know what any of they all look like until I go to St. Augustine and you're like, oh my gosh, like, look how different they all look. And so it, and just, you know, meeting all the all the top people in alligator and crocodilian world. Like it's, it was phenomenal. I highly recommend anybody and everybody to go to it. And even just for us, I would love to go again. Cause I'm sure, you know, science has changed in mm. 10, mm-hmm. 12 years or just, you know, the more that we learn and we can share that with other alligator experts, then mm-hmm. the better this world is just going to be. So just to be able to go again, I, I keep looking. I think the next one is like spring of 2023, I think. Um, but it's, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. You will learn a ton. It'd be fun to document too. I should really actually reach out to them and just, mm-hmm. it'd be fun to document with videos and cause we've been wanting to train. I mean, this is like down the line, but Sonny and chompers to go into travel crates. Not that we mm-hmm. want to take them anywhere, but if we do have to move them or if the vet needs to see them, like it would be great to be able to train them in a, in a crate. And I, I have ideas on how to do that, but I, it'd be great. I mean, I'm sure we'd learn something new at this crocodilian school. Yeah. Yeah, you will. Um, yeah. yeah. So I have a question. You have 200 alligators. Are they all trained to go back into their shipping containers in the winter time like how does this work no only godzilla and medusa they're the only ones that are trained to go in and out of their habitat right now okay so they are the only ones although we just put in a side door into the high school so we're going to start training the high school alligators to go in and out so but as we so we started first with ponds in this old cornfield Mm-hmm. And then we had a greenhouse, and then that's where they went for the winter. Or we had tanks in our gift shop. 
So this whole progression with the cargo shipping containers came years later. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have the money or the convenience to build the habitats all together, Mm. thinking this is going to be a shifting location and we're going to do this. And like, no, it was let's put gators in different ponds and build safe walls. And that's how we're going to start. And that's how we started. And then it was maybe, maybe, gosh, eight years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's even been that long that my brother went to another zoo and they had cargo shipping containers. And he's like, Hey, can I just kind of walk through your cargo shipping containers? I've never seen that before. And that's a really good idea for us because they're inexpensive to purchase, um, cheaper than any building you'll ever purchase. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I forget what facility it was. And so my brother kind of toured what little, you know, habitat they had in there. And so my brother's Mm -hmm. like, what have we got to lose? Let's try it. And so I, we're kind of, we have that convenience that we're our own family business. And if we think of an idea, we can try it. We don't have anybody else saying, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say, hey, we've got the money. We think we can do it. Let's give it a shot. And we have some cargo shipping containers that are now storage because the first one didn't work very well. Like it mm-hmm. worked for about two summers and now that stuff was kind of obsolete. And so now it's just a storage container. So each one is built a little differently than the first one. And then that one is built a little differently than the second one and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, as of right now, Godzilla's was the newest. And so we were like, you know what, let's build it. So that way he can go in and he can come out on his own because that's a big animal. We don't want to have to catch him and move him. If we can train him to do it on his own, he's going to be happier and we're going to be safer. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's, so we're hoping to do that with our high school alligators, but the smaller alligators, um, we actually invite the public to come help us move our alligators. <laughs> oh my gosh. How cool. Yeah. Really? It is really fun. And we get people that fly in from all over the country cause you can't really do this any other place. And so those of us that work there, we're the ones grabbing the alligators. We catch them, we tape their mouths shut and then we hand them to you and say, Hey, carry this alligator over there for me. And so they're carrying the alligator and, you know, we can have two year old little Johnny carrying an alligator and his mom or grandma helping carry it. So it doesn't, they don't drop it or fall or Uh we've got, you know, older gentlemen or or women that carry the big six and seven footers and they're carrying them to their indoor habitats. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it started off because we needed the help. And so we would say, hey, call cousin so-and-so. Have him bring a friend. We need to get these gators inside. And now it's just this huge event that people come in from kind of all over. And they help carry alligators. And, yeah, there's very few. I don't know of any other place that does that. (laughs) Yeah, this sounds like a great YouTube video. I'm being serious. Like, I would love to come down and help you move alligators. That'd be so much fun. Oh, my God. That would be... Yeah. Oh my goodness. How do you do? Do you have people sign a form, like a nope. liability? No. No. The really. mouth is taped. So really, I yeah. mean, we tell them like you might get smacked with a tail. Yes. Like the nails sure. of the gator might, you know, scratch your arm. Yeah. But most people are like, let's do this. Oh my and, god. Yeah, most of the time, I mean, we've never had any issues. We've never had any issues. And so, wow. You know, we're the ones in there. Like I mentioned, we're the ones in there catching the animals and being safe about the catch uh-huh. and then once the animal is safe and secure then we just hand it off and then there's always one of us that are walking the people to where the gator goes mm-hmm. so if we need to um in the springtime so we call it the spring release 
And so we have that. And then if there's any new animals we got in the winter, then we put a microchip in them. Um, and then we're also like measuring them, mm-hmm. making notes of any um, issues that the alligator has, if anything has changed from the time that we got it to the time now that are that we're handling it. So we try to update its health records as much as possible. So every time we handle an animal, we try to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so how in the shipping containers, how are you keeping the water warm and like the air, like the ambient temperature warm in Michigan? Because it gets freezing. Yeah. So we have underneath each of the, the tubs, underneath each of the ponds, there are two waterbed heaters. Water so bed. they're like these long three foot by one foot long strips okay. that are super like paper thin okay. that we slide underneath the tubs. And then we keep the water at about 68 okay. for the alligators. And so the water and we find that the alligators stay in the water most of the time. In the winter, so we try yep. to really focus on keeping the water warmer than the air because we find that they're not spending as much time in the air so we'd rather focus all the energy in the water um and so then the air temperature is about maybe 65 maybe Mm -hmm. 60 because we mean we have seven buildings that we have to heat so that's you know that's a huge cost is heat in the winter and water in the summer like that's those are our two biggest things um but yeah so then the air temperature is heated um we use electric just electric heaters um but yeah, I'm trying to think. And then we've got like UV lights, um, heat lights mm-hmm. over the basking tables. So that's where they're going to, you know, spend a lot of their time with basking. But most of the time they're in the water. So mm-hmm. we just try and really focus on keeping the water heated. So, so and then we have cameras in the uh-huh. habitats. Uh-huh. So we don't have to go in there if we don't need to. So that way we're not opening and closing and opening and closing seven different doors sure. every single day. So we really only go in like once a week uh-huh. just to check on them, make sure everybody's doing okay. If we mm-hmm. need to get an animal out for any reason or if we're putting a new animal in. Uh-huh. So we really try not to go out into their buildings if necessary because, yeah, we don't want to lose a lot of that heat source. So it's just the heat strips keeping that water at that temperature? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. That's so fascinating. And that you just plug them in like the little heat pads and... yeah. Yep. really oh my god mm-hmm. yeah we winter is kind of a nightmare for us just because we're in idaho we don't get as usually as cold as weather as michigan but it's you know it gets to the point where like this winter we had our heater go out and that was just like oh my god yeah. thank god we have backup we had a wood stove we have a pellet stove um our our pool is just one mat we don't have multiple pools so it's just one massive giant pool and so we are lucky because on the property we have geothermal water so we're able to give them warm water but we don't have that constantly running so i have found in the winter i mean we've had the water temperature even at like 60 and sawney and chompers are fine the the tilapia are fine and that's like the lowest we've seen it go i don't like it to get there i really like to keep the water in the 70s but i've found that and we'll keep the ambient temperature like around 72 in the winter time but they're mostly in the water too but it's nice they are pretty cool tolerant Mm -hmm. yeah our alligators have experienced um some pretty harsh weather conditions so yeah they're pretty tough especially godzilla because we've had him for so long okay he's he's been in snow he's been in hail really he's been in freezing water and he has you know he's worried us a few times 
but uh-huh. he's he's a strong he's a strong gator. So yeah, he's he's survived. <laughs> Are you feeding them so. at, at all in the winter, or do they go through like a little brumation? Is that you're you're not feeding them? Okay, so it, it's almost no, like a brumation. Them. So it's almost like yeah. something they naturally go through where you're just right. okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so the smaller alligators we do because they don't really have a lot of fat on their bodies. Okay. So basically okay. our like three foot alligators and smaller. So that's about 20, 20 to 30 alligators that we are feeding in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the other ones that are about three and a half feet and larger. And of course, you know, depending on the health Ish, you know the health of the animal that may change but mm-hmm. most of them we're not feeding so they're eating a whole lot more than what they need to in the summer so we're building up a lot of their fat reserve in the summer mm-hmm. and then in the winter they're not eating anything mm-hmm. so. so uh speaking about eating what are you primarily feeding the alligators because that could get expensive too feeding 200 yeah. 200 hungry mouths yeah the missouri croc diet really i've never tried that before oh our gators love it yeah, they really. Do you supplement it with any anything else, or just the crock diet? Just the crock diet, and so since we're open to the public, people ber- purchase um, food cups of the Missouri food, so they're really? eating all day long from eleven to four. Okay. Yeah. So do you ever do like you never introduce like feed them beef or chicken or fish or anything like that? Only if it's a training session, okay. or if it's an injured animal and we want to make sure that they're eating. Cause sometimes if they're isolating, if they're hiding, then they don't want to eat. Mm-hmm. And so we'll entice them with something exciting. So yeah, mm-hmm. a piece of, um, you know, a frozen rodent or yeah. uh, a piece of, you know, beef or chicken or uh-huh. um, pig foot or whatever, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, most of the time, most of what they eat is that Missouri crack diet. Now, how expensive is that? Um, well, the bags themselves, I mean, we do purchase, but because the public is buying the food, sure, we're, we actually make money. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good though, that you yeah. know, you have to support them somehow. So, yeah. okay. So yeah. it is the diet, is it like a, isn't it, I thought it was like a gelatin. Is that what it is? Or is that, is that no. a different one? There's like a they different have, so, one, right? Yeah. They have different ones. So I think there's, they have a, a croc gelatin one and that's mostly for, other crocodiles, I think more of the fish-eating crocodile species, I okay. believe. Don't quote me on that because we've never purchased it. We've never used it. Um, but, no, we do the hard biscuit and the hard pellet. So the little pellet, it looks like dog food, essentially. So it's little tiny pellets. Mm. Um, and those go to our little alligators. So uh-huh. basically the ones that are, like, four feet and smaller, they get the pellets. And then the bigger biscuit, it's maybe maybe an inch and a half, two inches in length. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can break it into smaller pieces, but then those, that's what the four and a half footers and, and larger eat. So yeah, oh. so that's mostly what their diet is. Interesting. Okay. So one last question regarding, you know, like water filtration, like how are you doing that? Like, how are you cleaning the ponds? Yeah. So unfortunately, <laughs> oh, that's, we, <laughs> unfortunately, we actually cannot filter just right now we can't afford it. Yeah. So we just run hoses mm-hmm. in pretty much on a cycle all day long. So okay. each alligator is getting, each pond is getting a fresh water every two, three days. Okay. And we try and overflow the ponds. Um, but how do you, so, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So that's really what they're getting. So unfortunately we're not able to filter at this point just because we can't afford it. 
Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Do you use like a pump, like to pump the water out by chance, or you just overflow the ponds? So, it's like, yeah. so we overflow the ponds, but two times a year, then we do thoroughly clean the pond out, scrub it clean. Okay. Um, and empty it out. So that's just two times a year. The other times, then it's just uh-huh. the water and uh-huh. then the hose. And are you using yeah. like an actual water pump, like an industrial pump to pump that water out? Uh, we use, it's um like a sewage grinder. Okay. Yeah, we use, because I mean, we're getting the leaf debris. Sure. We're getting rocks. We're getting, um, I forget like what, mostly the leaf debris. I mean, okay. we have a lot of trees around us. So yeah, we use like the sewage pump. A but sewage we, yeah. pump. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like a big, just... big guy, like a big sewage guy. Yeah, just... yeah it's probably maybe a foot foot and a half tall and like a i don't know maybe eight inches in diameter and it's got a huge um hose uh-huh. and it'll suck everything sticks and rocks and oh sludge and like everything because there's also you know there's mud at the bottom there's sure the food pellets when they dissolve if yeah. it doesn't all get eaten then it's going to sit at the bottom and so it just creates this sludge and so yeah that sewage pump sucks everything out Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, Lena, I'll tell you what. I have enjoyed our conversation um, so much. Will you join me for the after show? I would love to. Thanks. That's amazing. So, audience, if you want to join us for Lena and I to hang out more, because I cannot wait to talk to her more about alligators, uh, join us for the after show. All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. But, Lena, before we head on over to the after show, um, where can people follow you? Can people donate to help your facility? Let's give them all the information. Oh, that would be great. So, yes, you can find us on our website, of course, which is just alligatorsanctuary.com. Super easy. Love it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, which is the entire title of the zoo name. So it's Critchlow Alligator Sanctuary. Um, on Instagram, we are at alligator underscore sanctuary. We also have a YouTube channel, which is Vision C-A-S. So C is in Critchlow, A is an alligator, S is in sanctuary. Um, we just started a TikTok. I don't Ooh. even remember what my handle is. So, but it's hard because you know we have to kind of do it all. You know, we're we're we run every aspect of the business ourselves. So it's hard to get in to do all the social media that we would like to do, and also run a safe and successful business. So yeah, um, I don't know if I've even posted anything on YouTube this year, but quite a bit last year so yep so that's where you can find me that's that's amazing and audience i will put the links in the show notes so you can go and follow lena over there with that said let's head on over to the after show thanks for listening to the animals to the max podcast if you enjoyed this episode please share it with friends and family also if you haven't already hit the subscribe button it really helps me out as always if you have any guest suggestions if you want to email me personally head on over to corbinmaxi.com and if you haven't already check out our social channels you can follow me at corbinmaxi on instagram facebook and twitter we'll talk to you next time